That works. Okay, so everybody heard that, right, including Peter? You need to write down the greatest need in your life today on the back of that piece of paper. We're not going to collect it. You're not going to have to share it in front of people. So we had uh, we had the class that Gregory taught. Was that two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, and that was on what was that on? Covetousness. And um, and there was a lot of discussion, some of which was whether or not our thoughts are the sin or acting out on the thought. And, and, and I guess um, I, was, I was concerned that we were, you know, if, if we've got this fleeting thought about the girl that walks by, or, or for some, I guess, the guy that walks by, which is really strange. Um, and um, this door don't swing that way. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know you. So uh, it, it was concerning me that the, 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 the thought would be the sin. But I guess what we concluded, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that if I had a thought, for example, about this woman who walks by, uh, instead of, as, uh, as my son-in-law is wont to do, to immediately come out with the blessing for God creating, what is it, lovely things or uh, beautiful people, um, uh, instead, if I were to dwell on her beauty and then begin to um, turn that thought around in my head, we agreed that that was, in fact, then the beginning of the sin. And this would explain Yeshua's comments in Matthew chapter 5, that if I have lusted after her in my heart, then I've, I've committed adultery with her. Not as if I had committed adultery, but I've committed adultery with her. I can work with that. The fact that I can have a thought and you want to call it sin, our government is trying to do that right now. If I punch you in the face and you happen to be a black man, and I punch you in the face and you happen to be a white man, the sentences are different. Because I'm white, he's black, I punched him. It must be because I hate black people. And because I thought bad thoughts about the black man... I spend more time in jail than the really bad white guy that I punched in the face. They're both nice. These are both nice people. Yes. Yeah, so, I um, so I'm I'm concerned about that. Can you see that concern is valid? Okay. And there we go. We now have 22 men. Wow. Is it 23 already? I only printed 20 pages, and they're all given out. All right. There's a soft seat right there, sir. Please take that. No, wait. Does that actually max out all the seats that I prepared? Well, surely no one else is coming, right? I know. We've got... We've got... And Jonathan's coming. Holy cow. Um, There should be a PDF open on my my computer, if there is. Um, Make a copy of your page. Just copy three of them, please. That should be fine. 
Okay. So you understand where I'm coming from, and, and you can understand my concern. So uh, when, we, uh, when we finished that class, I felt that we had certainly discussed the covetousness stuff and, uh, and had and worked that through. Um, but I was curious about whether or not I just wanted the thought thing to be the way it was, or as Paul commands, we should take every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. So, am I just giving myself a buy because these thoughts go through my head? You see where I'm going? I... In addition to that, I've found great freedom Um, in the walk of Torah because it was like being in the military. I have the ability now to do right because it's written down. I know how to do right. I was a, uh, I was a corporal in the army and uh, had the opportunity to become a sergeant and was absolutely flabbergasted that they were going to give me the list of what I needed to do, what I needed to learn, and then exactly what I was going to get quizzed on when I went before the E5 board. Who could lose? Evidently a lot of guys. Um, but I had, uh, I had the fortune of, uh, of, of going before the board totally prepared, thanks to another sergeant that spent some, a great deal of time with me. Um, but I felt that freedom when I started keeping the Torah. And I, I don't have to worry about, does, does God approve of my life? I know he does. And in fact, I know what to do to please him. I like that. I get a real kick out of that, actually. The creator of the universe has told me how I can make him smile. That's cool. There's a lot less guilt now. There's a lot less confusion. So when we start getting into the thought police thing, I get a little concerned. I used to be in the whole thought area. I just don't think your heart's in the right place, boy. And now it's, I see your righteous deeds, and I'm impressed. And I like what I see. So the thought thing was kind of weird. So what you have before you now, at least all but two of you, um, Peter will be back in a second unless he can't figure out how to work the copy machine. Um, and there he is. Uh, we have Jonathan and Ryan. Ryan, be careful of what you shoot out here. Thumbs, some things don't react well to bullets. Okay. So you've just got a dozen scriptures in front of you, um, and I, I'm going to use these uh, to avoid you having to flip all over the place and read and not hear it. I want you to look at it. I want you to read it. I want you to see it. If you want to look it up in your computerized Huber there, that's great. But I, I, what I'd like us to do is just look at the text together. Um, and we'll, we'll just do some quick word studies and, and, and see what the text has to say. Does everybody understand where I'm going and why I'm going there? Okay, great.
I'm sorry, son. It was pretty good, though, I thought. <laughs> and it'll be online, yeah. That's right. It's a tough crowd, I tell you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 is the first occurrence of the word machashava, or in the feminine, machashavet. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's pretty evil. And the word thoughts is makashava. It's an interesting word. It means thoughts. It comes from the root chashav, right? And uh, and we'll look at that in a minute. Related to the modern Hebrew word computer. Yeah, something that will think for you. Exactly correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now is 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 Mac you know in capitals at the beginning of that? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so how many of you have heard of the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, or the Yetzer Tov, right? Yetzer HaTov is the good inclination, the very first mention of both Machashav and Yetzer is this verse. Intention is the word Yetzer. Yetzer, intention. So, Obviously, man's got a problem with his heart. We move on. I gave you a reference from the Psalms, 119. Great psalm to memorize. And Proverbs chapter 6. In Psalm 119, verse 59, when I think on my ways, I thought it said your ways for the first half hour I was studying. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. This word think is chashav. Right? So, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Now, I don't know. Does that mean when he thinks about his way being not right, he wants to get it right? Perhaps. But there certainly appears to be, if you'll agree, a cause and effect here. A cause and effect type of scenario. He examines one thing, and because of that, turns his feet to your testimonies. We see the same thing in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 18. A heart that devises wicked plans, same word, machashavah, feet that make haste to run to evil. Good uh, definition of man. So we see that this heart devising these wicked thoughts or plans leads to feet that make haste to run to evil. And of course, this is where I thought that the master was coming from. You don't want to lust, because if you do, you're going to commit adultery. But I think we learned from Gregory's class, at least our conversation and discussion, led us to believe that that was not the case. It was actually dwelling on and staying with that thought. So I looked at chashav, the root for machashava, and I saw two verses in Zechariah. I think they're pretty cool. 
You think of what comes to mind as you read Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 10. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise, there's your word, evil against another in your heart. To devise or to think about or to plan or to scheme, that's this word, chashav. And just a chapter later, if you read through uh, Zechariah, you come across chapter 8 and verse 17. Do not devise, again, same word, evil in your hearts against one another, and love no false oath. Why? For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Who does that remind you of? A big pardon. James. It is James. Or Jacob, depending on whether you're following King Jimmy or not. Um, yeah, yeah. in the book of James, we, we read about the necessity and the, the stalwart character involved in always caring for the widows and the orphans. Because this is true religion. It's true religion. Exactly correct. And, uh, of course... If you look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4, just hop down two verses there. But Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, these are the scribes, or the grammatus, where we get grammatics from. The grammatus, the scribes, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? This is when they lowered the, the, the guy down in the pallet. Right? You know, they open up the thatch roof, they lower the guy down in the pallet. It takes at least four guys, right? They bring him down and they just want to get in front of him. He says, wow, the faith of the guys up on the roof has healed you. No, that's really not what happened there. It was his faith that, that healed him. I've always wondered about that. I'd like to talk to the four guys and see if they got anything out of that. Probably. <laughs> But are we talking a serious mitzvah here, man, huh? You know? So when he did that, the scribes were a little upset. Why was that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who can, who can forgive the sins? So he said, well, what's easier? Right? To, for, to forgive, your, to say your sins are forgiven or take up? Take this pallet, head back home. Of course, the Shabbat police will be all over you because you're carrying the pallet on Shabbat. That's a bad deal, too. So, okay, so that's, uh, that's the deal. Do you notice the, uh, the translation into English is virtually identical to Zechariah, both chapter 7 and chapter 8? You see it? Think evil in your hearts. Let none of you devise evil against another. Where in your heart... Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Did you realize that the master was actually quoting himself from Zechariah quoting him? I mean, you, do you know what I mean? Okay. I think that's really cool. You know, Zechariah is, uh, is way over here in your... Uh, in your timeline, right? So we've got King David here in the corner, and then we've got all of the prophets you have in the Bible are in this first half of the wall, right? Everybody know where I am timeline-wise? Okay, right? Zero, thousand, 
2,000, 3,000 prophets, right? Okay. There's one guy who used almost this identical phrase prior to this. So let's check your remez counter and see how you do. Can you think of someone who said, you're eh, devising evil in your heart. I know you. (laughs) Yeah. Can you think of it? No, but that's very good. Very good. Nathan the prophet. Not as good, but correct era. Yes, it was right around Samuel the prophet. Nathan the prophet. So, uh, so we've got Saul and the rest of the army kind of hanging tight on this one hill and the Philistines up on this hill. you get the valley in between and you've got this massive dude coming out every morning and taunting the armies of Israel. That guy was Goliath. What were the armies of Israel doing? Biding time is the correct <laughs> PR phrase. Biding time. And we got a little interlude in the uh, battle prep. Behind the scenes, a young lad shows up who was shepherding the flock. He shows up and sees his brother Eliav. Who is this kid who showed up? David. David shows up and his brother says, Oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I know the evil you're devising in your heart. I know. You just wanted to come check out the battle. That's the first instance of this phrase. Pretty interesting. Which, of course, if you think about David, Messiah, you've just kind of connected all the dots in a really cool string of pearls that um, Peter would completely disagree with. So, um, there we have in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4, Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? That word think in the Greek is enthumeomai. Enthumeomai. So we have a pretty good tie now back to the kashav that's used in the Hebrew. Enthumeomai. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4, Yeshua uses the same phrase that they use in Zechariah, and he uses the Greek word enthumeomai. Enthumeomai, for think. Yeah. Why do you think evil, or in Zechariah, devise evil? Okay. So. We've got the, uh, the word chashav in the Hebrew, to devise, to think. And we've got enthumeomai in Matthew 9.4 in the Greek is to ponder or to meditate. So you're kind of scheming or devising or thinking in your heart, you know? And that, I think, is where we were going in Gregory's class. It's not, I'm just not thinking about something. I'm thinking and devising and meditating upon something. I'm pondering it. And that's the, uh, that's the key. That I thought that came out 
Yes, yes. Which, which works with devise perfectly. Yes. Good, good, good. All right. So we're all on the same track here. So, yeah. So shall he reap. Yeah. No pun intended with the farmer. It's result. I like it. Exactly. So the so we want to see how this sowing goes in the mind from the scripture. Exactly so. So I'm thinking to myself about the pretty girl. But I'm being careful, John. It's all right. Thank you. So am I, am I, am I pondering on the girl? Am I meditating on the girl? Am I devising? Am I scheming? That would be this word, enthumeomai. But the word that is not there, the factor that's missing in that, especially when it comes to the girl, is... To desire. And you know, there's another Greek word for that. And you find it in the verse we skipped. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. Son of a gun, we're in that uh, sermon on said mount. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That is not epithumeomai. I mean, enthumeomai, it is epithumeo. Same root, the thumeo. Do you hear the thumeo in both? There's epithumeo, and there's enthumeomai. So the one that the master uses is to ponder or to meditate on something, to kind of mull it over. But the, the, uh, in Matthew 5, this lustful intent is to desire. Thumeo. You hear the thermal quality there? Do you feel the heat building up? That's what that's all about. Yes. So uh, we've got on. We've got on the heat. See what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. You see that one down there? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're expressing mentally that desire. And you're raising the heat. So is that, uh, is the difference then just the duration of time? I don't think so, because Matthew 9, 4, that word actually means to ponder, and it implies time, to meditate. So it implies that time. So it's not just a time thing, but what are you doing with the time? Well, I was just asking because when does lustful intent become obsession? Don't know the answer to that yet. But Gregory will give us the answer to that later after class. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Mr. Upham is actually flying in tonight. Yes. 
Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28, you see it about two verses beneath there. The Master did this a lot. And if you'll recall, or if you've read the, the Gospels of late, you'll, you'll remember, oh, what do you think? And, and he goes through these uh, scenarios. What, what do you think? The Son of Man. Who, who do they say he is? Uh, what do you think? This, uh, this widow has been uh, defrauded, and she's... What do you think? And he does this all the time. And in this particular case, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. What do you think, Simon? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? What's he asking him, literally? What's your opinion? What say you? You've thought about this. What do you think the answer is? I'm not asking you to ponder it and figure it out right now. I don't want you to think for the next five days. Tell me what you think. Tell me your opinion on this matter. By the way, the end of that particular story in Matthew 21 about the man who had two sons. Do you recall that one? He says to the first son, work for me in the vineyard. Is it the vineyard or the field? Yeah, in the vineyard. He says, absolutely, no problem, Dad, I'm, I'm on it. But he never does. Says to the other son, son, work for me in the vineyard today. Pound sand, Dad, I'm busy. Not doing it. But then he does. What's the master ask at the end of the story? What's that? Who did my father's will? Who did his father's will? The answer is obvious. He starts out with, well, what do you think? That's the Greek word dokeo. Dokeo. You know what it means? It means to think. That's all. It just means to think. There's no moral implication. It's just thinking. What do you think? You know, the scriptures are impressive. They're actually quite a gift from God. It says in the apostolic scriptures that the angels long to look into it. It's like they can't read. I don't get that, you know? But evidently angels can't read, or they can't read the scriptures. Or, But that, that word there, long, is to desire. It's epithumeo. It's the same as that lustful word. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be lust. It's a strong desire. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 21, we've got another one. You've got Lazarus. You know Lazarus. This is a story the master tells, and he actually names names. You've got the rich guy. We know that uh, he calls Abraham his father. So he apparently is a Jewish man. And Lazarus is the poor rich man, uh, the poor man under the rich man's table, right? And it says here, he desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his swords. Can it get any worse? I mean, gee whiz. 
But that word desired there is also epithumeo. Epithumeo. Well, that's the same word as the lustful intent. It's a desire. And as you might think, our desires can be righteous, physical, or unrighteous, or any combination thereof. So there's not a moral quality associated with epithumeo. It just means a desire. Do you believe that the desire that God gave you to be with a woman is a sin? How many of you think it's a sin? How many of you think that the desire God gave you to be with a woman is God-given and righteous and hoorah? Okay, it's okay. You can say it. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) Epithumeo, just to prove to you that it cannot be always bad, our last reference on the page, Luke chapter 22 and verse 15. He, that is Yeshua, said to them at the beginning of the Seder meal, which is coming up, and I implore you, A, prepare ahead of time. B, make sure that you will attend or keep the Passover by being at someone's Seder. And three, if none of those are going to come to pass, you need to see me. Or him. Or him. Or Greg Upham. Please. If you're not going to spend Passover with like-minded believers and celebrate, you know, just pick where you want to go. You know, the music's going to be different. There you go, right? So you've got eight opportunities, right? Okay. I have earnestly desired, epithumeo, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I hope I've demonstrated to you that epithumeo can be used for physical desires that may or may not be righteous. They're strictly desires. I've got two verses there that I did not go over yet. One is Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. It's scandalous what you've done. We get that word from scandalon, which is to cause sin. Scandalon. That's the word in there. It is not the normal word for sin. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of hamartia, sins. Hamartia. Two different words for sins. I tell you that because I expect you to use this as a launch pad, if you will, for your own study. I think the scripture is clear that we will be judged by our deeds. We will give account for every idle word, but we will be judged according to our deeds, both the just and the unjust. And I think as we got to the end of Gregory's class, I felt good about where we were at. That is... We do need to take those thoughts captive. If we find ourselves pondering on and meditating and dwelling upon 
that which will bear no good fruit. Stop dwelling on it. Simple as that. When I was looking over these verses, um, one of the things that came to mind was it's, it's got to be one of the last parts of the Shemoni right? Uh, which comes from Psalms uh, 19, verse 15. Uh, may the expressions of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart find be acceptable favor side you. before you, out of nine, I rock my redeemer. Now that, I looked at the word, it's, it's not the same word, maybe Joshua uh, or someone, or uh, it's Egyon. Um, Egyon, but it's the meditations of my heart. Right. Um, and what's cool about that is uh, it reminds me to uh, be close and clean with Adam and I. So that as soon as I start thinking about something I shouldn't, it's like he's right there and you know we're having a conversation. Exactly. And it, it, I don't have to wait on um, anything else. I know immediately it will wait. That's not, I can tell that that's not something that would be pleasing. Exactly. Thy, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. sin against you. And that sin can be by dwelling on and fabricating these thoughts in our minds. I think the scripture bears that out. I don't see that it's simply what I do as much as what I do with all of me. I need to be in control. I need to be sober-minded. And it's not just a glass of wine that can throw me off. It's the poor thoughts And just like in programming, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. I need to watch that. That's why accountability is important. That's why coming on Tuesday nights is important. Because if you're in the midst of doing something you ought not to do, at least it's going to stop while you're here. Now, I, I, I normally don't do this, but it's out of my character. But I'm wearing a tie, so if any of you have uh, let your mind wander to the point that you have gone beyond what is appropriate in blessing God for creating lovely and beautiful creatures and things, um, then perhaps you'd like to pray with me right now. And uh, let's just get a clean slate come Wednesday morning. I actually can't hurt for being in bed on Tuesday night. Father God, I thank you for these men. And Father, I want to apologize to you for my mental behavior and for the loose thoughts that I've had of late. I pray, Father, For each man here that may be in the same boat as I. But fortunately, you've provided a way of escape for us. In so much as if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank you, Father, for that promise 
and claim it today for myself and for these men. I just want to continue my walk with you transparently with an open and clean heart. We thank you, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Questions, comments on the whole thought deal and all that deal? Yes, sir. Or what you say. Uh, you know, and I'm, but, I, but at the same time, I'm 55 years old, and, and um, I still think things that I should think. So it's, it's obviously there's still an issue that needs to be. That's why, I mean, you're, you're absolutely appropriate saying it's our whole being. It's not just what we do. But we need to remember it's only God that sees the heart, and even we can't know. That's true. And I think that's one of the things that I got from, and I appreciate these scriptures, one of the things that, that David was that when he when he thought of his way, and if he was thinking about it being an, a, a bad a bad thought right. way, that he instead strove to do what God said, you know, and I think that you know the encouragement is that you know when we find ourselves uh, struggling with thoughts, then our response should be instead of just trying to change the way I think, because again, maybe I haven't lived long enough, but at fifty five I still can't control the way I think. But I can't control what I do. Amen. And if I start doing the right thing, then sometimes it's harder to think the wrong thought. Amen. That's exactly right. You know, to, to Rick's point, thank you so much. Um, I, I'll give you an example. You've got this guy who drives you absolutely nuts. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> Nobody in this room. And it's, it's really... I mean, obviously, it's, it's some type of test from God because this guy's got your spot. And he sticks his finger in that spot, presses that button, and it's bothering you to the point where you're starting to think poor thoughts about the man. In fact, there's a bitterness starting to grow there. Can anybody identify with me here? Okay. All right. So. That's right. So. So I want to I want to give you the secret to resolving the bitterness like that. To making it so that you don't have to worry about thinking about him because even the thoughts would be okay. And the answer is what he just said. Invest some treasure in that individual. Do something for him. Above and beyond. Don't just write a card. Buy him something. Spend some money. Go out of your way over the top. And I tell you what, it works like a champ because... You'll be dancing on the cloud because he has no idea why you did it. And it's now driving him nuts. And he's going to go out of your way to be as kind as he can be because you have invested time, treasure, whatever it may be, in this person. I can tell you, I'm not 55, I'm 53. And I, too, still struggle with what I think 
And sometimes people just get under my skin. And it drives me nuts. If you would buy them something. Give them something. Do something for them that is so over the top. You will have a testimony to tell people about. And a freedom in your heart. That will be absolutely incredible. I got you, then you. Yes, sir. Exactly. In either that person or that job or that idea. And that person now is more inclined to appreciate the one that they've invested into. In the classic example he gives is parents and children. Children receive everything from their parents. They very they give very little through most of their young lives. And they oftentimes take everything for granted. Yeah. But parents, doesn't matter how awful the kids turn out to be, it's really difficult for them to to lose that love in spite of the fact that they're the only ones giving. That's right. And it's a true statement. Now, if you listen to that, believe it, and then think back into, I mean, this is a double portion this week. we got the last two portions in the book of Shemot, Exodus, right? And then we get into Vayikra, into Leviticus. And the first five chapters are all about the sacrifices. And you'll find that not a lot of them are for sin. But you got a couple of them there where it's like, little sweetie, I just want to get the best cow we've got and just go bring it and sacrifice it to God. For what? I've got $300 bills that I want to go burn before the Lord. But it changes. It changes you. It changes the giver. Yes, sir. You bet. And he knew that going before God with that contrite heart is exactly what he needed. It's exactly right. Given the choice, plague, enemies, you know, the whole deal. I mean, just like, no, I, uh, uh, so, hands of somebody else, I'll take the hands of God. So I encourage that for us all just to keep that in mind that, you know, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall. Um, but don't feel like, no, I can't pray right now. 
You do need to go straight to him. I don't know that I agree that we have to stumble. We have to fall. But the righteous but, man falls seven times and then rises up again. And there you go. But eight? Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, my name is Basically, just memorize Second Corinthians five, or, sorry, ten, verse five, um, about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah, and that is just some good practical advice yeah. and being able, arming yourself essentially yes. to fight the temptation. That's right. Of allowing our th- thoughts to go too far, or even allowing them to to creep up. At but all. but isn't that what David said? I've hidden my your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there you go. That's exactly what you're saying. That's exactly right. And that reminds me of what Dr. Gothard mentions in his basic seminar. He really led up to it as you're going through it because he, he was talking about something that caused so much success in his life and so much caused so much freedom. And he was just building this thing up and you weren't sure what it was until he finally said it was meditation of Scripture, not yeah. just memorization or application. but Or being, personalization, or, right. Or, yeah, or personalization, right. yeah. But actually meditating on it, so just yeah. as an encouragement. Amen. Is everybody everybody clear on the difference between memorizing and meditating? Yes, no, some, some? Om. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. If you memorize it, you've got it. Word for word. That's great. But for you to meditate on it, you need to be able to mull it over. Right? So you should be able to personalize it. Right? And regurgitate it, and use it. Yeah. Um, you, then you. Um, going back to what you are saying about um, how to deal with the guy who irritates yeah. you. Yeah. The Proverbs, irritant, yes. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heat burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So it's a scriptural mandate as well. Good. There it is. Depends on who I'm talking to, Joe. If you're using it, I'll use it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you that this, the same the same guy I was is not the same guy now. You want to call it? I had an awakening and uh, struggling with how you think has been a big deal. Constantly, I mean, reading lots of books, memorizing, and teaching my children. Chapters, Sermon on the Mount, Romans, like Mr. Gothard. I mean, we were Gothardites for a while, but nothing has helped me more than becoming Torah observant. Amen. You know, in praying, you know, I mean, God, you, you, start, you start conditioning yourself to praying three times a day. And, you know, the sages have looked into this too, and a blessed memory, they... They know exactly how to, to deal with this. And if you just condition yourself to, to praying and studying, you know, it, it becomes easier. Amen. You know, I, I've tried memorizing, and it, it works for a while, and then you start to slide again, you know. and it, it's, But 
the conditioning, the praying, the Amidah, over and over, it don't get boring. It gets better. Amen. You know, Amen. And, uh, it's amazing. That's good counsel, Joe. I used to wonder, as I was discipling men, why they couldn't go from Wednesday night to Sunday morning. I'd see them Sunday morning or Sunday night, and they had already fallen back into whatever it was they were working on. I just couldn't understand. And the answer was simple. It's too much time. But if you close them into a four-hour gap and not a whole lot of time to get off track. And I'm, I'm a government uh, uh, example number one. If you ever want to learn how to deal with irate and mean people, follow this <laughs> Yes, I've seen he does well, have quite a gift. Well, you know, it does. So, so, so let me see, you're, you're quoting scripture to me, are you? Okay, yeah. It is, a, it is a great thing, and it's a great weapon. And you get a double mitzvah point credit, because you're supposed to be emulating our master. And he did exactly the same thing. When presented with temptation, what did he say? I don't think that's a good idea. I'm thinking about it. I'm not thinking very long about it, though. I don't want to dwell upon it. You know, no! He immediately came back with scripture. We should do the same thing. But you can't do that if you don't have it memorized. Amen? Final comments. Anybody? If the greatest need in your life, written on the back of your paper, is physical, physical, would you raise your hand? Tangible? I'm just trying to figure out how I can invest some treasure here. Let me see. All right, so... Uh, All right. For those, for if you if you said that your greatest need today was emotional, would you raise your hand? Is that one? One. If you said that your greatest need today was theological, would you raise your hand? Because we're just going to toss you out onto the street somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, this Christology's a little weak, you know. <laughs> All right, so without violating any, violating any confidences in, in the peanut gallery here, you, you paid extra for the front seats, and I appreciate that. Um, how would you describe generically what category your greatest need today falls in? Colby, can you give me a category? Anything? No? John? Theological. Emotional. Okay, I had those in two different categories. Emotional. Emotional. Okay. Sean? Uh, 
family-oriented. Okay, uh, personal relation thing. Gregory. Personal. Okay. Endurance. I know what's right. I just need to follow. Okay. 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 All right. So on this side, yeah. Mine's kind of similar to that one. I was going to say it sort of spans all those categories. I'm so you really need a lot of help. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you mine. Okay. okay. T- tell me yours. I put discipline. Discipline. Because in a lot of cases, like, it, it, I don't frequently come up against things that I don't know what's right mm-hmm. or that I don't know what is not right but preferable. Sure. Like, personal decisions. Sure. Like, what time you get up. Yeah. But a lot of time I don't have the discipline to carry it through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific time you have to get up? Well, I put a, I pick a specific time. Okay, good, good. good. You, you just shared you just shared your greatest need with probably the one person yeah. in the room that can help you the most. <laughs> God bless you. Well, I figured the one person who can help me the most is probably somewhere in this room. <laughs> yes, praise God. Uh, praise good. God. Well, that's very that's. I, I appreciate your openness and uh, and I would venture to say that every man in this room is willing to stand up right behind you and say, I have the same need. Do you have the same need? Do you have the same need? Okay. That's the one you wrote down, too. Okay, so now... And I'll bet you, I'll bet you the most disciplined man in the room also has the same need. It is true. And it, it, I don't think it has to do with how old we are or how long we've been walking this walk. Every day, in every way, as we draw closer to him, we recognize yet another area that we need to deal with and work on. And the divide and conquer method works wonderfully. Get this square perfect, start working on that square. And it does come over time. Why are sages sages? That's the answer. It's been doing it longer. It's as simple as that. Is there another category on the soft seats? I mean, you guys... You know. I, have a, I have a smile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody bow their heads. While we... <laughs> I need time. My greatest need is time. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you would like to have an eighth day of the week where you could just study the Word of God Memorize this, spend time with that, right? We Everybody. Have, we have yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, right? So, it's a common need. And, and the answer to that need has already been provided by our Master. It's the word no. No, I can't do that. No, I don't volunteer. No, I will not do that. I counted up the hours um, long ago when Peter was small enough to fit in my hand. And... uh, (laughs) I was... I had already had uh, been blessed by God with three daughters. And, uh, and finally had my, my first, and it turns out now, my only son. And, uh, and I, felt a, 
an incredibly crushing weight of responsibility um, to teach him the word of God and, and to raise up a, a man of God and, and not a wuss uh, and, and anything else that you can think of. There's just you know, so many various areas of manhood. And uh, I began to just do the math and realize that it's just not possible to teach the Sunday school class and to sit in on the, in the pulpit from time to time and also maintain both of the cars and do all the repairs around the house oh, and mow the lawn and all the landscaping and go to work. And, and I can keep going, and you guys have the same list. It's just not possible. It's not possible to do all those things and take that job seriously. Our culture is fighting against godliness in every way it can. Everything you see on television and in the movies and here on the radio is doing nothing but perpetuating the lie that there is satisfaction, security, and ultimately a big win at the end of the lifestyle that they're describing. And one of the greatest things you can do is turn the radio off, turn the TV off, turn the movies off, Spend your time in the Word of God and do the things with the people that God has put around you that He's calling you to do. It's as simple as that. I think that if you look at the men that we call sages, those of blessed memory, you see that they were singular in their focus. Many of them, especially on that wall, had jobs. But their jobs also entailed their opportunity to practice their faith. If you get the job and you've got your personal life, you've already got a mistake. They need to be the same. They need to be brought together. You need to be the same guy at work that you are at the house. You need to be able to walk your faith and practice it while you are everywhere. It's as simple as that. If you try and live two lives, James talks about that right in chapter 1. Time with my family. Well, one of the most notable Christians, Billy Graham, said the same thing. Most notable Christians have extraordinarily poor family lives. That includes missionaries, pastors. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a rare thing to find a missionary family where the kids are not terrorists. That's why we call them MKs. It's a rare thing to find a pastoral family where the kids are not terrors. PKs. I mean, that's why we call them that, right? Yes, sir. Oh, this is your, you're a pastor's kid, right? Okay, just check it. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. Sure. Church, church, 
is just prayer, you know, just, or, I guess I'm just trying to find the best way to maybe talk to him about it, um, or address it in any way, or is it just, I mean, are you just kind of trying to get an opinion or advice on how to deal with that, you know, is it just one of those things where you leave it to God and just continue praying and praying, mm. or kind of saying, you know, Dad, I, yeah. I feel like, you yeah. know, kind of going on, it's yeah. just kind of a question that I have, and I know that I'm, I'm in a peculiar position because of the walk that I'm in now that is you know, already completely against kind of what he believes in, all that stuff, sure. but I'm just trying to find, you know, how I can yeah. address that if possible. So can, um, do you want an opinion? I'll give you my opinion. You know, everybody here has got two elbows. Yeah. Um, this is an opinion. Um, first, I would say that probably everybody in the room is in the same boat to a certain extent. Family members wondering, you know, and of course you're um, odd man out because you're taking the Torah walk. Um, my opinion would be that scripturally, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. A son or a student is never higher than his teacher. And you are fighting a losing battle and will cause more damage if you try and correct your dad in his parenting skills. Anybody in this room would have a better chance of making an impact than you. You are completely disqualified just as you would be if you had to testify against him in a court of law. You are not the guy. That should lift an incredible burden. Now, if... That's right. I mean, yeah, keep the prayer up. But from a practical due perspective, I would strongly encourage you to start building and deepening the relationship you have with your sisters. And you can start to teach them and get them to delve into the Word of God without undermining your father's authority. Because it doesn't have to have anything to do with the Torah. It just has to do with a walk of righteousness, a walk that's pleasing to our Father. That's my two cents. There you go. Got one over here, then I got one over there. And the cheap seats have nothing. Yeah. Let me share something from a, uh, an avenue, as you know, that my son uh, got me into this group. And so, you know, my son... Uh, but anyway, my son... You know, poisoned. Uh, poisoned by him. Got in the group and, and uh, you know, uh, t- 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 also let you know, I, I, I've been a Christian for 30-some years and, and, and we have the, had all the life of my two sons and daughter nonstop conversations about the Word of God and sharing and, and teaching them and uh, through the church and everything. Then my son, my oldest son, got involved with this group of men, praise God, and he never ever said, Dad, you're crazy, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about, but through his actions and his lifestyle and the, and the things that he did, we started thinking, what is he doing? Let me find out more about this, and praise God, here we are, and it's an amazing thing. And so, that's just coming from the other, that I was the father, and my son Never ever, you know, overstep the boundaries of the father-son relationship. He just, you know, he just lived the way that he thought was correct, yeah. and we were.
were like, wow, this is amazing. And now we have come. Now, he's in a different position because Jerry got to watch his son's walk. He got to hear about his walk even when he was at school. And it was obvious it wasn't a passing fad. There was a change in this man's life. And I can also tell you, and I will tell you in front of everybody, I never have to this day ever heard your son say a bad word in any way about you, even before you and I met. Always uplifting and honoring. And I think he'd say the same thing. That should be a testimony to you. Yes, sir. The answer, you know, you're in those quiz games, and the answer is always Jesus. Yeah. Um, the, the answer. Yeah. The answer that will never be wrong is to walk the walk. Always walk the walk. Okay. Final comment. Yes, sir. If you think about it, and please pray for a Gideon situation. You know, his dad really had aspirations of him being the assistant pastor in his church, and working right beside him, so there's a lot of dynamic going on there, and it's, it's like he left me, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, this is the father-in-law of Gideon, in case you missed the dynamic here, that's good, a little inside track. Just want to see if that was a bid. All right, so uh, I, would, I would like to uh, ask all of you men to do me a personal favor. I don't ask very often, um, but I would, I would be grateful. Um, on the 27th of March of this year, um, I will have been walking with a master for 32 years. And uh, I don't know if that was the day I got saved, but it was pretty emotional for me. And uh, it's a special day for me. And uh, I plan to spend it the right way. And... Uh, I just wonder if in the month of March, as you are praying through your daily prayers, if you could just uh, drop a note to the big guy and ask him for some extra wisdom, that would be a great deal. I'd like that. That'll help. It'll help you. And there it is. Thank you. Yes, it is. All right, let's pray, shall we, men? Thank you. This has been a great discussion. I appreciate your, your hard work here. Father, I am so grateful to be surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, both alive and passed on, that are such a great example to me. I thank you for especially the young men here 
who are just starting out in their walk of faith and haven't messed up too badly yet. I pray that you'll continue to keep them pure, set their way straight before them, order their steps, and protect them, mostly from themselves, secondly, from the devil, and third, from the culture around them. Father, I pray for the older men here that we would be wise counselors, that we would be excellent examples of faith. And Father, that you would find us faithful to have your word on our lips at all times. Father, I pray for the kind of young men in between, the really young ones and the old fogies. Father, I pray for these young men, the next generation here, that you'd raise them up strong, strong in your word, faithful, faithful to do your work. And Father, able to stand alone, able to give a testimony that's clear, concise, and isn't filled with emotion and tears, but veracity, clarity. I pray, Father, that you would grant them this through their diligence and their discipline. Father, I I thank you for Caleb and his willingness to share. And Brock gets a you know an A minus for a, an also ran in the discipline department. Father, I do pray that you would grant them wisdom and courage to fight the good fight of faith. Because it is a fight. And I thank you for these men and ask you to bless them in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Very nice.